The shadows of storm and night. The mysteries of life and light. From unearthly peculiarities, celestial and divine, to apparitions and transcendental signs. You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm back. And I'm Steph. Hey, Steph. Hi, Beck. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. You know what I got recently? This. <laughs> Communicating with spirits. A complete idiot's guide. You might be an idiot after reading that. <laughs> I haven't even thumbed through it yet, but the orange label just called to me and I said, I, I have to look at this. <laughs> it should be fun if I come up with anything good. Maybe we'll make a show out of it. Okay. <laughs> We're always looking for yeah, ideas. Chapter one. Yeah. <laughs> what if we had weekly lessons on complete idiot's guide to communicating <laughs> with the spirits? In the end, it says, and you will become fully possessed. <laughs> well, today we have a guest with us. He is one of our favorites and a fan favorite. You all know him as a smooth crooner. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, Ricky. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Hi. Today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the God gene. Now, this is new to me, but I'm going to give you a definition of the God gene. The God gene hypothesis proposes that human spirituality is influenced by hereditary and a specific gene called vascular monoamine transporter 2. And it predisposes humans towards spiritual or mystic experiences. So if you don't understand what that means, <laughs> maybe Ricky can break it down for you. <laughs> well, there are plenty of people out there that, you know, they almost going down their, their family lines, tracing it back untold amounts of generations. There's always that that one member of the, the family, whether it's your, uh, you know, your grandmother or maybe your dad or your great grandfather and all the way up to your own generation, maybe you have a cousin or maybe it's you, but there always seems to be at least one person or sometimes multiple people within the family that they're a little bit more spiritual. Uh, they, they've talked about things that have happened to them, things that are really, really hard to pin down scientifically. You know, they've had tons of weird experiences. Maybe they say they've seen ghosts or... Maybe if they're Catholic like me, they talk about the times they've had run-ins with demons. Or, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they've seen angels, the Immaculate Mother, things like that. People have tried to write it off as uh, almost sort of a, a grand paranoid delusion within the family culture. You know, that's what's causing it. But quite often there are people within the family that were maybe sort of outcasts of the family that experience these things too. And now that they've started to talk about analyzing a gene, there might be some scientific evidence to it. My own personal belief being that God implanted it in us for a reason. It's it's almost like a, an antenna making us aware of what's going on. And the further back you go, the more you would think people thought that way. But as we've seen especially in recent decades, the number of paranormal sightings and stories coming forth just seems to multiply. You know, we don't really know how far it's spread. I mean, how much of the population has it? This is all kind of new theory. So, And I think there's this innate fear in most people to even admit that if they are experiencing that or if it does run through a family like your grandmother or mother. So, for example, my grandmother had spiritual gifts. She was psychic, intuitive. She was a healer, but she never spoke about it and she never taught us anything. And in fact, she shut it down and my mother had it. She didn't really develop it, not until later in life. And even now she struggles. And then it fell to me. I had heard some old things like the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter of the seventh. <laughs> yeah, so Becky's like only the, the second daughter <laughs> well, or the no. first daughter. <laughs> no, <laughs> the way it works is like I'm the only daughter. You're the only daughter. Out of that generation of children that were born, I was the only female. So that's interesting too. But my brother also has gifts and abilities too. Yeah, I think he's very intuitive. And he can see things and I'm clear audience. So it's, it's weird how people do have different, things that pop out it's not everyone across the board has the same things it's just certain especially when it's within a family it might be different it could be like your brother and you are different but yeah it's like 
I see that in my own family where I notice one of my brothers, he's very, very sensitive to things and he would see stuff as a kid and I didn't see anything. I'm more of a feeler. I feel stuff. Mm-hmm. An empath. Yeah. And I've seen things before, but I thank God that I don't see anything because I really don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Myself and, and my mother. I mean, really, uh, we've talked about this before. Steph is my aunt. My mother is her sister. And the majority of her father, my grandfather's children have all had run-ins of some kind. And, and I appear to have gotten it from my mother. For me, it was kind of a mixed bag. I had a childhood of uh, really scary occurrences that occurred on and off. When I was a kid, we moved around a bit. You know, as I got older, we didn't so much. But so it wasn't like where we lived because it didn't really matter the house or anything like that. And my dad and my sister take after each other a little bit more. They like they they are open to these things and they they know. It exists, but it was always me and my mother, and it was a mixture of run-ins, real, like, living, you know, happening as I'm awake type of things, but also a series of uh, incredible dreams that bore a deeper meaning. Uh, With me, I also, in a period of my life, things were really dark, and that was actually a time period where not much happened, but as I came back, to my faith and what I believe, there seemed to be an increase again, just like when I was a child, um, almost like something's trying to dissuade me. Interesting. Yeah. Our family had similar experiences. Back in the 90s, I started going towards my faith. You know, we grew up spiritual. I always believed in God. I was a big believer in Jesus and Mary as a kid. I really did love them very much. I didn't know much about them. So when our family... I guess we were getting like an awakening towards God. Like all of a sudden, the belief in God seems so very real and tangible to me. And it really ignited a lot of love in my heart and forgiveness for a lot of... I was very angry about a lot of things that happened throughout my life and, you know, members of our family. So to have that grace, I think, of forgiveness and all the, the animosity kind of melted away that I had towards people. And my heart opened. And I think that was the biggest change for me. But the moment, like I, I've said on this show before, I went into religious life. And then at the same time, my sister had gotten married. And it's like all hell broke loose. So on my part, I got really sick in religious life. And I became very, very, um, like uh, I had like no sleep, zero sleep when I was there. I felt like I was being tormented by not sleeping constant nightmares when I got in there. Uh, Just things that seem like an instant attack. Never, ever experienced this in my life. I mean, I've had some spooky things happen growing up, but nothing major. Interesting that it was happening while you were in the convent. Yes, and what I've come to believe about that whole thing is that sometimes throughout our life, we do some bad things, but I think we don't know that there's something maybe attached to our family, maybe a family lineage, or um, something that we did. And I can't narrow it down to what it was, but I think I had to go through this battle with whatever that was, and it kind of manifested itself when I turned 33, which is years later down the road. It was a night of my 33rd birthday, and something appeared in my room because I couldn't sleep at night. I saw like two look like red dots floating around the room, and then they came together. They started forming eyes, a face, and it kind of looked like an alien-looking thing. And so I was scared, so I rebuked it. I said, like, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here, and it disappeared. But for four months after that, I was tormented by something. It wouldn't wouldn't leave me alone. I don't believe that it was a punishment, though. I believe... I think it was a lesson to learn uh, how yeah, to battle it. I do, too. And because I, I, th- I didn't know. The fear, once this situation ended... The anxiety lifted. I started sleeping again. I had to go to a priest to get help. And just to let everybody know, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Like I was going to daily mass, confession probably at the the least once a month. So I was always cleansing myself um, of any type of guilt if I had anything. So I knew I was doing the things that you're supposed to do as a Catholic. And I wasn't involved in anything. I wasn't even drinking or smoking or anything at the time. 
it just became like a torment. But what I've learned from it was to identify the enemy. Boundaries. Yeah, and boundaries too. Strength. Because <laughs> lots of stuff opened up at that time that I did not want. A lot of things that came true was like all of a sudden I was a psychic. I just would have yeah. stuff that would happen that would come true. And my anxiety levels were out of control because of that. I could not feel at all like a normal person. It was like everything that was coming to me was coming true. So once that ended, our family still struggled. There were so many things that happened in our family. It was just seemed like it was never ending. It's what a tragedy. Yeah, a lot of tragedy, but on both our family and and on some of the friends of our family too yeah. that we were seeing all of this happen, I'm wondering when is God going to help us? And it reminds me of the story of Job from the Bible because he he was a person that followed God. I can't say he didn't ever sin because everyone does, but I mean, he was very focused on God. And then his whole family was wiped out. He lost everything. And then he started getting sores all over his body. All of his friends basically concluding, God wouldn't have done this to you unless you did something wrong. You better admit it. And he's like, I didn't do anything wrong. you know. And then he was getting angry at God because he's like, I've been following you. Why are you, you, know, why are you doing this? And it was like a torment to him. But eventually God restored him. And I think in a way I was restored also. But there's still struggle in life. I think you can't escape certain struggles. You always have to have a struggle with something. Yeah. I think these things happen to strengthen your spirituality and strengthen your connection to God, the divine, and the universe, spirituality. I was speaking with my doctor the other day, and I'd like to get her on the show if she'd be willing. And she was talking about going through some horrific things and battling cancer. Now, this is a woman of science, and she stood there just amazed that we even got into this subject because I think this is something that isn't spoken about, especially amongst the scientific community, the doctors. And she spoke about having that experience with cancer, how that started opening up things spiritually for her. Now, she, I believe, is a Catholic, a practicing Catholic, but we all know how Catholicism looks upon these types of things. Mm-hmm. And for her to, to stand there and tell me these things, it was like, wow. Now, we had another guest on the show that had broken her neck she was a ballet dancer oh, wow. and she had always had a gift of insight, not a medium per se. She was a psychic, but she really didn't hone or work on her skills until she had this major shift happen. So I think there's different ways that can be brought about, but I truly believe it has to tie into this God gene because we have these things, these bloodlines, these hereditary bloodlines that run down ancestrally and, Many of us choose to ignore these synchronicities, these signs and things like that. And the ones that don't and are meant to learn a lesson, I believe that's when they get hit with spiritual confrontation or demonic confrontation or psychic, mystical things that start happening. And before we get really deep into it, let me go into this article because we have time. We're going to talk. This is from uh, PsychicElements.com, and it says, Are psychic abilities hereditary? Do psychic people inherit their abilities from their family line? We hear of many people calling themselves third-generation mediums. Does that mean that someone with no psychic parents or grandparents can't be psychic themselves? Do psychic abilities run in families, or are they something that could manifest in anyone? And can a person simply decide to develop their supersensory skills? It's very true that many psychic mediums discover the sixth sense abilities are prevalent in their families. Often these gifts were kept hidden because no one wanted to talk about it, like I spoke about earlier. Some even thought rightly enough that their abilities might put the whole family in danger, given the once popular view of witchcraft being aligned with devil worship. Thus, children and teens who seem to be developing psychic abilities were trained not to speak of it and not to reveal their gift to a living soul. Now, women in particular were always extremely cautious about sharing their abilities because 300 years ago, it may seem like a long time, but, you know, they were hanging people (laughs) and burning them at the stake. But this goes into, like, eye and hair color, shape of noses, ears, body types, builds. Psychic traits are passed down, sometimes, through families. And they might skip a generation here or there. But with any luck, it's possible to learn how the gifts thread down through the bloodlines. And there is some speculation that families with a high incidence of twin births 
are more likely to share sixth sense traits. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're saying there's no doubt that genetics can play an important part in whether a person has a sixth sense or not. A person who has been brought up in a family where psychic powers are accepted as normal is likely to develop these skills themselves. It does relate psychic abilities with people who have experienced difficult childhoods. Yeah. I think I'm not speaking for you guys, but I, I experienced a difficult childhood. Yeah. In a way. Um, I mean, I, when I, I start telling a couple of my stories, you'll understand what I mean by that. Uh, in terms of the mundane worlds. I mean, I had my trials and tribulations as a kid like anybody else. But, you know, I was also part of the generation who every kid's parents were divorced. And, you know, yeah, my, my parents, you know, I was lucky uh, in, in that respect. They were always very spiritual household. They were, you know, my parents were married. You know, I, it was like the typical American family, you know, mom, dad, two kids, one boy, one girl, uh, a dog. <laughs> so I would say, it, just going back to the, the God gene thing, honestly, I think there's almost a war on that. They're, they're going, I think it was filmed in 2003, but there was a leaked video meeting with um, I believe they were DOD representatives and this scientist you can look it up online but they were meeting about this gene that apparently had been isolated that they thought they could get rid of through vaccination that would take care of religious fundamentalism based terrorism and how to implement it interesting um, I actually saw I know what you're talking about I saw the talk yeah it was an actual talk and the yeah. guy was talking about a vaccine that basically would get rid of this religious. Yeah. What wow. Did, and what yeah. did one of the first people who tested the vaccine say? It was all over the newspapers for like half a day before they pulled it down. I can't feel God. That just gave me the chills. That's oh, my God. scary. Yeah. Um, but listen, today's not conspiracy theories. I bored you guys enough with that. Well, no, that's still time, fascinating but, <laughs> insight there. But it, it is scary. And I, and I think I, I think you go back far enough in time you know we're talking maybe like the days of abraham and isaac you know i think if not everyone the majority of people had that like i said i i think it's almost like a a little bit of an internal compass or an antenna or something for you to to keep you in tune but i i think it's good to talk about this but it it also depends on how you look at it i i don't want people to wield this as a weapon to further any sort of atheistic agenda or anything like that god moves in all things just because you've proven where maybe you've isolated the gene where maybe a lot of these abilities and these sightings or whatever you want to call you know these experiences come from whatever you know me personally i believe god wrote the blueprint of our dna so why why can't that be the reason for it being in there it started actually very abruptly with me i was about five years old And my family the year before had just moved into this house, our first real house. Like we lived in a trailer before that, you know, like this is like a big deal. You know, I I can remember moving in so well, even as a young, you know, a really young kid. Uh, And I remember I got this big bedroom all to myself that I loved, you know, the first few months we were there. And then I woke up in the middle of the night one night. I just felt uneasy, you know, sometimes even, even when you're like four or five, you still might go in and like sleep at the foot of your parents' bed or something back then. Well, that's what I did. I, I wandered into my parents' room and I just laid down. I hadn't even laid down for probably a full minute when all I can say is it was like a shadow of something appeared at the f- front door of my parents' bedroom. And it started talking to me, and it started taunting me, and I immediately was filled with fear. I started crying, screaming, and I tried to wake my parents up. I was hitting them, and they would not wake up. And it taunted me, I would say, for the better part of like 10 minutes. And I don't remember too much about what it said, but basically along the lines of like, you know, you're going to belong to me. Oh, boy. And come the next morning, I tried to tell my parents, but I was like five years old. They, they didn't really understand it. And, and there was even a time looking back where I was like, did some weirdo just like break into our house? And like, but I could never explain why I couldn't wake up my parents, you know? Right. And I did not go to sleep that night. I remember that whole night vividly. So this wasn't like a dream. I laid down on the bed after that, just hyperventilating basically after it had, it had left. 
And I waited until the sun came up and my parents woke up and, you know, that was when I told them about it. I, I, I was freaked out. And not too much scary happened for a couple of years after that. Was but, that the only encounter like that for a while? For for a while. Uh, actually, I can't say a couple of years, probably another year, because to, we only lived in that house for about a grand total of like two and a half years. But I, towards the end of us living there, I, I started to see strange things moving in, in the walls. It, it was re- It's really hard, unless... Unless I could, like, create a picture to show you or something. I, I can't really describe it. But uh, I used to, like, yell and scream and call my mom into the room. So we thought there was something neurologically going on with me. And I, I know what a lot of people are thinking. Well, it's a, a child's mind, whatever. Listen, I was such a reality-based analytic, even as a child, like, just as a joke, but as also as an example, uh, when I was little and all the kids wanted to be Ernie from Bert and Ernie for Halloween, <laughs> I wanted to be Bert. <laughs> I liked, I was just a very rude. So even as a young kid, you know, now we're getting to be like six, seven. I thought there was something wrong with me. Like my mom was like, okay, now we're going to take you to this doctor and you're going to get this CAT scan done and you're going to get this. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. It put me on something that'll help me. Well, I did have other neurological problems for those that don't know me. So under the guise of treating that and hopefully making this other thing that had started to pop up go away, I was put on a few experimental medications, which probably also explains my <laughs> conspiracy theorist side <laughs> uh, because of what they did to me. I, I spent, you know, then a while longer kind of being screwed up. I remember your mom and when you were young, just relentlessly, I mean, how many places you went to to find answers mm-hmm. for what was going on with you? It was like, I met every doctor yeah. and any doctor that did anything neurological, I met within like a 200 mile radius. Even my mom, being the spiritual person that she was, thought it was was that. So I want I want everyone to know that, okay? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that maybe grew up in an atheist family, um, or just a family that that doesn't really think about this stuff. That's maybe going through things like this, and they're afraid. They don't know how to turn to God, or they don't know if they can talk to their family about these things, or maybe they've tried and. They just get mocked for it. It's not just within families that have a strong religious or spiritual connection that experiences stuff. I think that's a myth and that needs to go away. You know, it's just people who experience these things that come forward. Their their backgrounds is, are just as random that, that as anyone that spots like a UFO. But there seems to know. be similarities that run along the lines. Yes. Because when you were speaking of neurological and, and speaking of conspiracy... I had my gifts come on full force mm-hmm. after I had a neurological accident where I actually kind of blew out the wiring in my brain from an accident, a trauma. Yeah. And I was heavily medicated. Yeah. And it was a neurological medication. And on this medication, I was like a zombie. Yeah. I, I just, but I was still experiencing strange things in a zombie state. When I came off of that medication is when things started opening up more. And I became a little more like-minded with you where yeah. I became very concerned about what I put into my body, mm-hmm. um, concerned of what damage the medication does at some points. Um, you know, I'm not saying it isn't necessary at points. I'm not saying that it might help you get into a remission or it might help sure. get you through a period of time in your life. But that connection seems to be very muddled yeah. when you're on something. And I feel like... Most of the stories I hear involve getting through a battle or having a trauma to battle through Mm -hmm. and coming out on the other side with the spiritual gifts and enlightenments and abilities and things like that. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely. And I do think a lot of these people, the, the ice, like the isolated ones I was just talking about, they may feel that way, but if, if maybe if they did some family research, they'd realize that like a great grandmother or an uncle or, you know, whoever has also been experiencing these things. And those are the ones that were never invited to Thanksgiving, you know, something like that. So maybe they're not as alone as they think. And, and I can tell you that personally, 
what worked for me and what helped me a lot was always my Catholic faith and my family. The problem was, especially as I got older, uh, like I said, I was, I was a very analytical, grounded in reality type of person. I strayed further away from that. But before I get too ahead of myself, I just want to say that after they took me off those medications, these things occurred with a vengeance. We had uh, my and actually, I think this is important. Uh, that house that I said we only lived in for a couple of years. Well, due to financial reasons, we had to sell the house and we went to renting a house for the next uh, seven years, you know, and financially, that was probably a tough toughest spot in the toughest spot in my my family's history you know we were so we were going through and and there were some other things too but there there was a they're more personal you know but there was some family things that started to happen and then we moved into this house and and uh, maybe within the first year of living there I, I I think I had just finally taken a stand and being on and off these medications I was like I don't I don't want to do it anymore so they, they started occurring with a vengeance. I do think, though, there was a powerful connection in that house because it was also, the guy who owned it before uh, was a manager of touring bands, and there used to be a recording studio in the basement. And so all these bands would come, and they would stay there and record and get up to God knows what. I mean, there was like a bar in the basement. We found... <laughs> whiskey and god knows what else like hidden in the storage room and all this like you could just tell uh people went there to party Mm -hmm. and with it being kind of part of the music industry and all that i mean god knows what they were getting up to in there so that could have been part of it too because that was where a lot of my strongest experiences happened but i started to be kind of terrorized in my my bedroom every night and what i mean by that is i think you guys have talked about shadow people Mm -hmm. before I would see them everywhere. Even if it was pitch black in my room, the shadow itself would find a way to make itself like stand out and and walk around the room. Things would sit on my bed next to me as I was laying there asleep um, or trying to sleep, I should say. One of the scariest things was I had a really bad day at school once and I I remember this vividly. I, I was just, this is also when things in school took a downturn for me and I was kind of an outcast. And, and I, I went home and I was really upset and I just laid down on my bed and maybe half a minute later, I felt a finger poke through the mattress right near where my belly button was. I was laying on my stomach and move its finger. Oh my God. The center of my chest (laughs) all the way to my throat, to the tip of my chin. And I was so paralyzed with fear. I just let it do it. And then it just eventually went away. But things like that were fairly common. Scary. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there was there was plenty of other things too, and and looking back on it all, I, I realized what the plan of it all was, though. Which these things that targeted me, they knew I was a very analytical person. That I was still open to these things, but I could be pushed in the opposite direction. And and unlike someone like Steph, who I think until fairly recently. I would like to say that now maybe my faith is a lot stronger, but I mean, up until fairly recently, I think you were a lot more grounded than me, whereas I could be influenced. And not only that, but I was young at the time. And the more these things happened, the more I didn't want to believe. And the less I stopped telling my parents. There were nights where I would be crying in the hallway like, begging my parents to let me into sleep, you know, which, which they would. I'm not saying my parents were like evil people, but I, I stopped telling them what was going on. Like even in those moments when they would come out of their bedroom and be like, why are you scared? I, I wouldn't say anything. It, you just start to feel so powerless. It's like, how, how are they going to fight these things? You know, you, you don't, you, you don't really understand. And it, as over time, I just kind of learned to roll with it where weird stuff would happen and I wouldn't even bat an eye. I'd be in the shower alone when I, you know, as a young teenager and hear somebody in the house just like call my name or I'd hear something fall over and I knew I was alone and I'd get out of the shower and nothing would have happened. Nobody would be in there, you know. It becomes such a part of the norm. It just becomes like everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually I I stopped believing, you know, I'll be completely honest. Uh, uh, Shortly before I graduated high school and we were living in another house by that point, I... I had a longtime friend who 
was a very staunch atheist. And I let myself be influenced by them quite a bit. And that begat the, the darkest point in my life. I was going to um, ask you which way this went. At well, this I got, point. Uh, because of them, I'm not saying I sought these things out, but I was exposed to them. A lot of things to do with the occult just from the company that I was keeping. And what I didn't catch was the correlation because as I was being exposed to these things, to them, uh, to people like this person, they were atheists, but they, they didn't kind of see the contradiction of what they were doing. They bought into eventually the, the satanic church and because of their exposure to it, I learned a lot about it. And, and here's how they get you. Just like what was happening to me, this is how they get to people, which is they sell you on this. This is the ultimate organized atheism. That's how they get a lot of people. And this person was smart, incredibly smart, but incredibly naive when it came to these things. And I learned about a little bit about what goes on, all, all of these things. And the whole time, all the spiritual stuff in my like the weird occurrences and all that, went away. Mm-hmm. And my belief died. And I became the type of person that if somebody said I would give you, you know, I don't know, 20 grand if you pulled out a gun and shot this person. I look back on it and I am petrified because I'm like, I was so immorally minded, you know, like I was so lost. that I don't know, like what kind of, if I was really pressed with some large decisions back then, like, like crazy stuff, like what would have been my outcome? I did realize though that somebody was looking out for me because I seemed to avoid utter catastrophe <laughs> quite often. Um, but, uh, as time went on, though, I realized that this person was reeled in, that they didn't have any answers because after a couple of years of getting to know them, then I suddenly just hear the story about how Anton LaVey accidentally killed Jane Mansfield, you know, um, through a curse. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought this was atheism. And I just hear, well, it's all will, dude. And it's like, it, oh, okay, this is how they got them. And from that moment on, and it was another period of like 10 years, but I realized I was in the same boat as this person. I wasn't seeing the forest for the trees. And since I've come back, life gets a little bit harder. You know, these things start to happen again. They do because they thought they had you. And now you're turning around and you're walking away from it again. And and you're not letting the blinds being pulled over you spiritually anymore. Here I was. I was an atheist. None of this stuff was happening to me. But then all it took was... A couple of moments of introspection and and one event all I did was kind of go you know maybe I should look at, into this again maybe I should come back to my faith you know I wasn't even sure and it immediately started happening again yeah I didn't have a very strong faith growing up I was able to choose my religion my mother gave us that freedom to choose we weren't indoctrinated into any one thing we chose what we wanted what felt right to us And when spiritual apexes were happening, we were coached and trained by people who were of the know to speak to these entities in a commanding way, such as, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, and so on and so forth. But the problem was, was there was no force behind the words. There was no belief behind the words. There was no strength behind the words. And so I'm walking around throwing salt enlighten incense and saying these words that are supposed to help and honestly it just made it worse now as i grew up i shut down as well i think we go through a stage in our teenage where you know we're time it's time to have fun it's time to get crazy do wild things and that has no place in time for teenage years and for young adulthood and it took a great physical disaster to happen to me to get recentered and to be put on the right path. And there is when I found an actual strength within me and an actual belief system within myself. I still don't adhere to a religion, yeah. but I have a spirituality and a connection to God within my heart. And that has always been the strength. And, and I do feel kindred with certain religious aspects, which is interesting. I like to take a little bit of everything because I find there's truth in all, but yeah, I think it takes... But you even have, had to admit to me that 
you used the Hail Mary one time and you said it worked pretty good. It <laughs> did. It did. Yeah. I mean, because you go through these trials and tribulations, as Ricky was talking about, and there's moments where you're attacked and you go through the dark night of the soul. Yeah. And yeah. you wonder, am I going to make it out of this? Yeah. And I don't think there's anything as, as horrifying as that. I mean, this is like you feel alone in this battle. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to find that connection. And being an atheist and not having a connection or having having nothing, no belief system, I can't imagine being in that position and being faced with that. Well, I think that's why there's a lot of suicides. And we don't really know why they're doing it. They don't, you obviously know people who commit suicide are going through a dark, dark period. During that dark period of my life that I was talking about, I do want to say my depression levels were through the roof and my life was going nowhere and no relationship I had ever worked out beyond like a couple of months. I mean, just picture any type of miserableness and that's what it was. You know, I was, I was completely stuck and I, I hated myself and, and I tried to get out of it tons of times. I I went to therapy I changed my diet and started working out, or I would uh, try to make new friends in different social circles. Uh, you, you know, you name it. I tried it. It all always fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, I know, part of that was me. I'm not going to bore you guys, but I mean, there were be times where I was bound and determined to change things, and things out of my control would always happen. And by out of my control, I mean like trying to work out more. And then I like break my leg or, you know, oh, you I know what I mean? to that. No, that's happened to me so often where I just felt like I was stuck. Mm-hmm. At times I feel like right now I, I get a little stuck, but for the most part, there was just a period where I felt locked in. I used to think my own name was the curse. Like it's, it's my last name. Mm-hmm. It's our family. You know, like I couldn't handle like, yeah. why, why doesn't anything ever go right? That's, we've just... And by doing that, your like attracts like, right? Yeah. So you're putting out this unknowing energy that's bringing this in. And of course, you're going to feel bombarded by that. You're going to feel depressed. But when I look in hindsight, you can see there's God's still in control. And there's things he's permitting and there's things he's allowing. And I think in that, he's shaping something that's going to happen. But you're going through it and it's just hard to explain, but... You know, the more I look at, in hindsight, I can see that there was something in control, that God was in control, because he doesn't let it get too far. It feels like you're on the verge of dying, like when you're sick, or like felt like I was never going to have any relief from insomnia. I never thought I was going to be relieved from the torment that I was experiencing spiritually, just, you know, things attacking me all the time. But I got relief. You know, I mean, I stayed faithful. I think the strongest temptation in it, it sounds kind of weird, but when I would be tormented at night, when I mean torment, I mean it would be very negative thoughts that I mm-hmm. could not control and also sometimes a physical attack. So I would be in total fear with my heart pounding usually all night long, just being in total fear of the anticipation of something going to happen. And I would get these strong thoughts in my head that were so strong. If you just worship me, it'll all go away. Yeah. Hmm. And yeah. I felt that so strong at times that it, it scared me. And I knew it. I knew if I would just not pay any attention to God mm-hmm. and just the devil really wanted me to to just acknowledge him. It's me yeah. that controls everything. You have God does nothing. He hates you. He's allowing this to happen. Worship me. It'll all go away. And yeah. you have to wonder for people that aren't religious and that cannot relate to what you're saying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Are they... Maybe they're getting these things in a different manner. So maybe they're struggling with what they believe or what could be depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this depression is that inner voice that's saying, just end it. Yeah. Don't care anymore. Give up. And yeah. they're 
idea of what this is is their inner self. They're yeah. worthless, right? Mm-hmm. So depending on where you're coming from, yeah, it it's could all just negative. Look, yeah, <laughs> and you yeah. might be treating yourself with antidepressants and and not getting the results. You know, I think a good test would be if you're this person that is experiencing extreme suicidal thoughts or hateful thoughts or you can't get out of this rut is make an attempt to ask God for help. Even if you feel like you don't have any belief, but reach out. And I think uh, that reaching out was going to reveal something. If you are a staunch atheist and, and you don't even, you can't bring yourself to believe, but you can make yourself serious about an attempt to open up, you know, to give it, to give it a try. If you can be serious about it, I think God can and, and will reward that because Steph also brought up something very important. And and this is, I think, almost a, a tenant belief for Catholics and, well, really Christians alike, is that, remember, Satan doesn't require active worship. It, it just requires an absence of God. That's all that it requires because it has stewardship of everything else. So... You're doing it to us, you know, we, we, we feel like you're doing it regardless of whether you realize it or not. Kind of like the certain group of people I was talking about and how they didn't realize, well, the lower members of that specific atheistic organized church, which I don't want to mention too much, but they, the lower members, like the one that I knew, didn't realize what was really going on. They couldn't see that. You know, it's like you—you you mean to tell me you don't believe in anything, and that—and that you're just acting the way that the bad guy from the Bible would act, rebellious, living for yourself, what have you. But then you believe that your will, just will—I'm not even talking direct action—your will can cause bad things to happen to people. Where do you think that comes from? And you might reach a different conclusion than me. That's—that's that's fine. But this is what I've learned. In those years, yes, I knew people like that. And by the way, for whatever reason, they were naturally attracted to me. I don't know why. You know, because I can tell you my headspace for all those years was, even though I was in a very dark place, was I was so exhausted from my childhood and those things happening. I just didn't want to think about any of it at all. Yes, I had people in my life that believed in that stuff and would talk about it to me at times, like I've mentioned. But... Me personally, my attitude was always, listen, I am what I am. Go ahead. I, I really don't care about your little atheist church, which is basically what they think it is, but it's not. It's way worse than that. I don't care. They always wanted me to join, and I always said no, because to me, I would always think, what's so rebellious about an organized church? You're just emulating what you say you hate. Exactly. It's so contradictive. Yeah, which these things are, once again, I, I think graces from God, I personally do. Also, what was instilled in me as a child, and, and also just from what I experienced and I knew that I'm not a very bright person. I'm the first one to admit that, but I I did learn a thing or two about what was going on from being exposed to these things, how they get you. But that was also the moment that that first thing that ever happened to me when I was a young kid, how it clicked. I was like, this is how they're going to get me. Because I always have to conquer the part of me that looks at the world around me and takes that for what it is and is always questioning my belief in God. I mean, I'll be totally honest. Every day I have that inner fight, that dialogue with myself. I think as time goes on, though, my belief gets stronger and stronger. But now I realize what it was talking about Mm -hmm. was that's how I'm going to get you. I'm going to keep leading you further away because you're always going to be a bit of a uh, doubting Thomas. You know, I am not someone like my mom. I've never seen faith like hers. You you cannot shake her at all. And I look at that and I envy it. Everything about her faith makes sense to her 100%. I'm not saying she doesn't question or have internal struggles or anything like that, but at the end of the day, she knows where her beliefs lie. 100% it is bedrock. Me, my biggest fear is mine are always going to need constant attention. I always need to be aware of where I am and what I'm doing. So I think if anyone has the God, the God gene, if that is an actual thing, I, I'm i so glad to have been 
blessed with a mother like that who has had experiences crazier than me and maybe someday she'll get on the show to to tell her own experiences but but I mean it was important to have her there I think she wisened me up quite a bit too what she tried to teach me as a child when I would open up to her and later on in life too as I started to come back do you believe that your mother or anyone else in your family had these experiences that they didn't share or maybe did share with you yes my mother was fairly open with a lot of these things. Some of the things she held off from telling me until I was older. Isn't that but, funny how they do that? <laughs> well, I think she didn't want to scare the ever-loving crap out of me, if I'm honest. But I, I will say that I, I don't want to give too much of it away. I don't know if she'd ever want to share her story. But, for instance, my sister was supposed to be born with severe mental and physical handicaps. My mom was never supposed to have children. Hmm. Um, I was born first, and that was also a traumatic pregnancy in so many ways. We were lucky to both make it out alive and without any harm, really. more traumatic after you were born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a demon child for about three years. Uh, and then lo and behold, she, get, she gets pregnant with my sister and... and um, there was all sorts of crazy things that happened during her pregnancy with my sister. Uh, I, a lot of them are short stories, and I don't want to give them away. But the one big thing was is she, she saw my sister as like a six, seven-year-old child uh, before she was born on three different occasions in her house. When my sister got to be that age, my mom was actually a little freaked out because it was like, that is the child, you know? I mean, she always knew it was my sister, but still then seeing it, you know, years later, she got a vision about me, my mom and me though. One thing that we have in common because what, and, and I'm so happy for her, what my mom tends to see are things that are good. I haven't had too many experiences like that. Now I have been saved during some of these experiences by reciting the Lord's prayer, things like that. You haven't had maybe a grandparent or somebody come and sit by your side instead of... No. Okay. No, which I think was... Uh, I think it was uh, because, you know... I, well, I, I know I already said what evil wanted to do with me. I think God's plan was, you know, yeah, you have a problem with a spiritual backbone. And I'm going to let these things happen to you because you have to learn to stand up. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah, I like that. And it's true. It's true. You know, so here I was, I was seeing hell, and yet it happened so much I stopped believing. That is crazy in and of itself, you know. Um, it happens, though. Steph and I actually have a friend that has a problem with the word. She has a problem with the word that describes the creator, the word that describes yeah. whatever the case may be. And I think people, they go into that, they shift into that and they kind of rage against the machine. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. And, and, uh, I, I do want to make it clear too. I didn't have this vendetta. I, I, I didn't go forth <laughs> during this terrible period of my life and wage active war on God. Right. I just tried to walk away from everything. And, in turn, that made me a much darker and more angry person. Um, never at God, never at anything, but just angry at the world. And as I concentrated on these these stupid, trivial things, the worse everything got. Sometimes I'm ashamed of the how long I spent in that period. You know, with the wool easily pulled over my eyes. You know, it's like how can you see all these things, experience all these things, being the person that you are who believes in evidence first, and yet. You can't answer them. You know that they happened, and yet you choose not to believe. Like, what What kind of an example is that? You're human. Yeah, yeah. It's just the human mind, I guess, trying to adjust. But one thing that me and my mom have in common is dreams, prophetic ones. Tim's been a guest on this podcast. He's Steph's brother. I freaked him out once with a dream that I had, which was, uh, once again, during this kind of darker period of my life so we kind of went out drinking I had had a dream maybe two nights before where we had had a night out and 
we were driving down the road to get something to eat in the dream, I mean, and talking and a van shot by us with the undercarriage on fire. And then we got pulled over. The cops planted drugs on us and we got into a lot of trouble and in, in all of these things. Right. At the time, I just thought it was a dream. Right. You know, which is not how most of these things happen for me, by the way. I can usually tell now when it's when it's real. Um, but at the time, yeah, I thought it was a dream. So we're driving and I, I, I didn't do this too often, but this was one of the times I probably shouldn't have been driving. And if I was, we should have just went straight home, but we're driving. I'm a little paranoid cause it hits me that we're in the same spot from my dream. And we're talking about the same exact thing. When a van with the, with the undercarriage on fire goes screaming past us on the street, I immediately go into the lane behind it. Because we were on the passing lane, I pulled into the side road because I just got this feeling, do something different from the dream and you won't get pulled over. Wow. So I did the tiniest different thing. And a cop car comes flying out of one of the uh, turns uh, up up in front of us. I could still see the van, but he's like getting further and further away. Cop car pulls in front of us, pulls him over. And... The whole time that this was going on, that that five to ten seconds, I'm telling Tim, I had a dream about this. We need to slow down and I need to pull over into here. So Tim watches this unfold and I'm telling him I had a dream about a van with the undercarriage. on So he goes and pulls the van over instead. All I know is we went to eat and, you know, we were probably there for like 45 minutes or so. Came back. That guy was in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just weird things like that and they're not always about myself but sometimes they're about world events sometimes they're about little things in my life and everything in between you know yeah that's the interesting thing about it is unless you're highly developed it seems to come and go as it pleases it's it's very strange yeah mine has seemed to drop back i still have a lot of feeling with certain things but not even as much as i used to it was so strong at one time and now i feel more I don't have as much anxiety. So I don't know if it's disappeared or I've gotten, I don't know. I think we go through periods yeah, in our life like ups um, and downs when and we're tired, if we're depressed, mm -hmm. if we're just in that mode, things tend to, it shifts, it ebbs yeah. and flows. I think it comes in waves. And I think it, sometimes it comes when it's most needed. You may have a dream that might spark you to the end of the world's coming i need to prepare right now <laughs> yeah and maybe that was meant to hit at that time to get you prepared and you had nothing up at that point so i don't think it ever goes away stuff i just think yeah i'm i think if you stay spiritually grounded and keep especially a prayer life i'm not as is um i used to spend a lot of time in church and probably at least an hour a day at one point always every day for years because i i felt very like i needed to be there and I feel a lot stronger, not to say that's a good thing to not go, but at the same time, interiorly, I feel like I'm carrying it with me. I don't need to be in there as much. I feel like it's more inside of me, and I can be prayerful in any place. So I feel a lot stronger, and this all has to do with the experiences that I've had. But I do see a, a good thing about being in a, in a setting that's dedicated to God where you can focus a lot better. But I don't do as much as, like... Uh, religious things I used to. I'm a, I'm a weekly, you know, I go to Sunday mass, but I'm not, I pray every day, you know, as it's long as you have a spirituality my, within here. And you know, I feel like, I think it, you do when you grow in your spirituality and like how my belief in Jesus, he says that the kingdom of God is within you. It is. So I, I know that now, you know, before it was like, I've got to go to it. that physical place. I've got to be there. Yeah. It doesn't count. Yeah. And that's a thing. It, it, and yeah, no. And, you know, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, all these teachings. But there's also the teachings that Jesus gave, like when we we're speaking about the dark spirits that are after us, every single one of us who want to steal our soul. Why? And like, that's a, always baffling to me is that why has God <laughs> set up this whole world? He's created all this, you know, the universe, the invisible, the visible. But yet we're we're on here and we have to go through this this trial. We have to battle this thing before we get to the next step. Like, why do we have to do this? But I think it's a, a matter of free will. God has made him like himself. And to be like God is to have a, a free will. And that we can't be free unless we choose him 
without him interfering. There is influence. Well, but there's, there's got to be a, a learning. If everything yeah. was perfect all yeah. the time, you would yeah. never learn. Yeah. It's like taking a kid that's completely spoiled. He has no idea how hard it is. And you take a child that's from poverty and they see how hard their parents had to work or how much they had to struggle. So th yeah. there was a lesson, even though that child struggled and, and maybe went to bed hungry and cried every night, that child that struggled ends up being a stronger soul than that child that was given everything and lived that protected life. Oh, yeah. So our souls are like that. We come in and we have purposes and we fulfill those purposes. And I believe we come back and we do it again until we reach that. Because I don't think you just go, you go back over and everything's just all gravy. I think that we strive for that. I still think we get over there and we get a little bored. <laughs> And we go, oh, man, everything's great over here. I think I need a little drama. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, you know, from people's near-death experiences, when they go there, they said that they're experiencing so much love that they feel fulfilled in every way that they can't even remember their own children. That they've, They said it, everything disappeared, and it's just God, God, God. To me, it's like, I don't think that you'd get bored of that. I think you just increase, but, your love increases. But as you know, and I know you know this from working mm -hmm. with me, is we speak to spirits who have crossed. And those mm -hmm. spirits retain their personality, right? Yeah, I think it's them. And so yeah. they didn't necessarily grow just by crossing. They didn't necessarily change into this very evolved being just by being there. Mm -hmm. And that soul still needs work. It's just the human soul. And that human soul is in that specific stage and maybe hasn't learned all the lessons. They're going to retain those aspects of themselves. So it is a learning and growing process. Yeah, I mean, there's the Catholic belief in, in purgatory. And just some clarity on that. We tend to believe that just about everybody, unless you're, you know, Joseph and Mary and a handful of other people, that's where you're going first. Is to purgatory? Yeah. Hmm. And yeah. Catholics believe that's that's really odd. <laughs> well, it's it's to basically continue here. You know, there there are going to be things in your physical life, either due to the time constraints of it or just failings within yourself. You're not going to overcome things you didn't repent for, things like that. And it's kind of almost a second life. There are differences, but you have to work on you it's essentially it's removing all of the worldly things you know the things you got to worry about like your job and your friendships and this that and the other and it's a it's a time of introspection and finding understanding and learning to forgive yourself because catholics don't believe that your actions per se damn you you damn yourself when you die and you're figuring out where you're gonna go uh heaven purgatory or hell it's basically god saying where do you think you should go that's why most people choose to go to purgatory whereas people like i don't know maybe say adolf hitler <laughs> they know they have to tell the truth when you die you have to tell the truth and and there are some people who are just so evil where where do you belong yes obviously it's it's hell because you're standing in front of the light of all creation, it knows everything you've ever done. It knows what you're actually thinking. And it's going to force you, even if it's the first time ever, to think morally. And you're going to have to give an honest answer because an, a dishonest one isn't going to cut it. So you send yourself. And that is something that I think maybe either people who talk about the church or the church itself and in terms of the media and all these other things, I think it's something that's fallen by the wayside quite a bit. And I think that's a very important Catholic belief because I think a lot of people look at us like you're just judging everybody. You're this, that, and it's like, no, you know, the God that we believe in is not the one doing it. You are. Well, I, I agree you with know? you there. I agree that we do self-judge. I think that we are our own judge and jury when we cross. Yeah. I think that we have to experience what we put others through on this earth, through this mm -hmm. lifetime. I think we have to... Uh, be faced, have the mirror held up in front of us as to what we did yeah, and who we touched and who we hurt. We decide, did we learn from that experience? And if we didn't, my belief is that you come back and do it again. And I think a lot of Eastern religions are that way, Buddhism oh, yeah. and things like that. But 
I don't know necessarily that I feel that everyone just goes into a purgatory in my belief, but yeah, that's because I've had the ability to speak to spirit and mm-hmm. just, it seems very different to me. It doesn't come off like a dark place. There is, well, I've talked with priests about this. The purgatory is not necessarily this one dark place. Maybe it's no. a way station. Yeah. It's, they said there's different levels or maybe different dimensions of it. And, and like, you know, we think of God as all merciful, you know, maybe like he was saying, the purgatory is another world, you know, so maybe it's going there or is it coming back here? Is that part of purgatory is like reliving? Well, we are here on earth. Hell is on earth, right? (laughs) There's a lot of debate on this. And obviously there's a lot of religions out there. Right. Right. And a lot of it is based off of people's, personal experiences you know well, don't I lo- you think everyone in every religion experiences their death within that religious lines so if you're a jew you're going to experience heaven as a jew and if you're a catholic you're going to experience heaven as a catholic i believe that there's not right or wrong yeah. you can't say that oh that that person of that descent is going to hell because they don't believe in the lord jesus christ the byzantine empire um, was probably the most powerful Christian empire uh, to ever exist until you flash forward to the United States, you know, and their periods of iconoclasm. It, the Eastern Orthodox Church within that as well, even though at the time the lines between Eastern Orthodoxy and the Roman Catholic faith were not like they are now, you know, there was a lot more muddied. And, and so within those faiths, there, there were periods of that too. There's always been... One of the biggest critics of Eastern Orthodoxy, followers of Eastern Orthodoxy and those of the Roman Catholic Church, is what a lot of people would point out as iconism. And more so with the Roman Catholic Church pointing out the idea of canonization and saints, paying respect to Joseph and the Virgin Mary when they're humans, mm-hmm. um, those things. They point that out as carryovers from pagan backgrounds or... Uh, all of these things. Um, listen, it's not as cut and dry as that. Uh, Nothing ever is, though. Yeah. No, it's nothing is. <laughs> it's not. And one thing I think that they get wrong is, okay, as a Roman Catholic, do I want to be like Jesus? Yes, but is that possible? No, not in any way, shape, or form. I I really can't even be like the Virgin Mary, you know, because she was without sin. Was she born of natural means? Yes, but she we believe she had no sin, but we can look at Joseph or we can look at the apostles or we can look at uh, St. Peregrine or whoever as examples. And that's why they are patron saints. You look at them as examples of how to act when you carry a certain cross or you go through a certain time. And we don't pray to them to ask them to do things. We know that people who live these holy lives are close to God and they're, they're already in that plane. We ask them as if to say, hey, I'm praying to God too, but we could really use your guidance or we can really use you to intercede with God on our behalf as well. Your voice carries a lot of weight. And and really, I think I'm even mixing it up there, you know, but it's it's more of, we look at them as examples of how we can potentially be in our lives. That's how we look at them. And when it comes to the Virgin Mary, she is probably the most attacked. Look at what was going on with a lot of the BLM rioting and, well, just basically everybody rioting over the previous summer. So many statues of the Virgin Mary were defamed for no real reason. She's always been under attack. And to me, that to me, it makes me wonder, why, like, why is there that hatred? Why is there that that dislike there. I think there's something greater spurring it on. Or you know? maybe they just all haven't tapped into the God gene. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the battle, the unseen battle that human beings can't see, you know, the, mm-hmm. the spiritual warfare that's going on am- amongst us all the time. And sometimes we're tapped into that and sometimes we're not. To a Catholic point of view would say that the Virgin Mary is the key to the end of this battle. She's the one, they call her, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, crowned with the 12 stars. You know, like, so it's referenced in Genesis, first book, and Revelation, last book. And there's a great battle going on, and it's the devil's hatred for her is so great. And he'll he'll inspire other people to hate her, too. There's nothing to hate about her. I can understand if you're not Catholic, you don't understand it. 
but it's just like when we're talking about the spiritual battles and like you're saying, there's something greater that's happening where you can't see everything. And like Jesus had said, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. He's going to do whatever he can to influence people. He wants as many people to go to hell, not because he wants them there for himself because he hates them. He probably doesn't even want you there because he doesn't want to be with you. (laughs) Yeah. But I think because he hates God so much, it's just a weird mystery. You know, it's just things that, to look at, at least within a Christian faith, I guess. Right. Yeah. Hey, we're offering up different perspectives. I mean, yes. There are many that oh, definitely. don't see any of this in a Christian no. way. You know, no. we have friends that are like that. They don't like the words. They don't like the words heaven. They don't like the words hell. They don't believe in demons. They don't believe in God. They don't like that word God. They seem to almost, in a way, fight against it all. And yeah. yet, like Ricky had said earlier, it's so contradictive because they have their own sets of rituals, very similar things, their own mm-hmm. churches, their own altars that they set up. Yeah. So whether that altar is an actual altar or a big screen TV. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's the same thing, guys. It's true. It yeah, is. No, I think whatever you sacrifice to, yeah. you're making sacrifices for. It's the words that we use, though. Yeah. I think it's the words that yeah. everyone uses. And I think our words for God and all this are very, they're like straw. I don't think it's really adequate, you know, anyways. You know, I think God is so immense that we're trying to describe something that is eternal with words. And I can understand, like, people being particular about words and, um, you know, and religions have their major problems. You know, there's you can look at history and see how religions have just destroyed people's lives, destroyed them. I have a lot of anger, too, about what has happened within religions. It infuriates me. I guess it all ties in together in a strange way because whether you believe in, if you're Christian mm-hmm. or you're, you're a Buddhist or you're a witch, maybe we all have that gene mm-hmm. and science is saying so. Yeah. Be careful how you use it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> whether you realize it or not, everyone has an altar. You better be aware of it. You better, like Steph said, be aware of what you're, you're uh, putting up on there and what you're sacrificing for it. And don't be afraid. Face your fear. Yeah. And God loves you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I want to thank the listeners for rating us, reviewing, leaving us messages. Feel free to shoot us an email, a comment, a story at tothespiritpod at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, until next time, thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. To the spirit podcast. Supernatural science. I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic, magic.